Let me tell you today about Anchor, the easiest way to make a podcast. Let me explain. It's free. There are creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer, or you can record it on another device or platform and transfer it to Anchor. It will distribute your podcast for you through Apple Podcasts or Spotify, and you can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need to make a podcast right in one place. Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Welcome, players, to the Triple Play Fantasy Baseball Show. If you came looking for funny and informative fantasy baseball content, you made it just in time for the show, bud. D. Mendy here, joined by your favorite cubby, Art Tornabeni, a.k.a. Little Cheesecake, the LC. LC, how's your week been? Week's been pretty good. I'm, uh, I'm doing a fast this week. I am fasting 16 hours of every day. So, uh, I don't know. I think I'm supposed to say I feel great. I have so much energy. But my big impression of a fast is 10.30 at night is hard when you're not eating any peanut butter at 10.30 at night. So, uh, but other, th- other, than, other than the lack of late night snacking, I'm doing great. The only fast I like is Alex fast. So I don't, yeah, he's yeah, great. yeah he's I'm better. not, I don't know if I'm a fan of this. That 16 hour fast sounds awful. Oh but. my God. I'm, I, I literally got hungry when you said 16 hour fast. I was like, all right, that's my cue to eat. Yeah, and that, I'm in that, my that, fasting time right now. So guys, please don't bring up food. <laughs> well, I, I will bring up the other voice you heard, the relationship man himself. Eric Mendelson, a.k.a. The Doc. What's up? Uh, you know what, man? You're just happier that I'm in a relationship than I am. Like, you're, I wish that people could see how much you're smiling right now. And and when we double date, just how how much of a grin you have. David's been looking for, forward for this more than I have. I'll probably post pictures when you guys are holding hands and put them to social media. Yeah, yeah get, get a room. <laughs> <laughs> Well, we're not here to talk about Eric's relationship unless you want to hear that in a future episode. But on deck, we <laughs> on deck we have Prospects 21. We had a lot of great young players make their presence known in this crazy 60-game season. So we're looking for the prospects that are looking to make it big in 2021. The prospects chosen for this episode were the top 10 given from our guest on this show. And that guest, you ask? Well, that is Eric Cross of Fantrax and the Five Tool Pod, who's waiting in the hole. After we go to our bullpen for our question of the week, which city without an MLB team deserves to have a team in their city? And our mystery game to come in and shut the door. But first up to bat is our news and notes. Justin Verlander is having Tommy John surgery. The future Hall of Famer is expected to miss the remainder of the season and most likely all of next season. When he pitches again, if he pitches again, he'll be 39 years old in 2022. Cheesecake, is this the end of Verlander as we know it, and frankly, the end of the Astros dynasty? I would say no to both of those questions. I think Verlander has stated that he has an intention to pitch into his 40s. It's a really, really late Tommy John, though. I, I, I don't. I don't understand. I don't think he needs the the money. His his wife makes more than he does, probably. Kate but uh, <laughs> but uh, I think he just wants to keep playing. He's like the 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 pitching version of Tom Brady. 
I think I think he's going to play, keep playing. And the Astros have a lot of talent. They still have a ton of talent. I mean, they're going to be in the playoffs again this year, I think. Um, I don't think they're done by any means. Fair enough. Well, next bit of news here, Alderaldon Simmons has elected to sit out the rest of 2020 due to COVID concerns. Interesting timing with this move. Doc, what do you make of Simmons making this decision now? Uh, I mean, I don't have a problem with it. Like, obviously, the timing is is interesting because we're near the end of the season. And I feel like if people would have wanted to opt out, it would have been at the beginning. But keep in mind, this is a virus. We're in a pandemic. I think baseball has been a good diversion for it. But the health in, of him and his family is first and foremost. And if he feels like now is the right time to opt out, then, you know, credit to him. All right. And this last bit is a little interesting tidbit for you guys. These, there are 13 players going into the playoffs this year that are 32 years old and have 12 years of MLB experience. Um, each one of you, I'm just going to ask which one you're most rooting for to win a World Series title. So there's Zach Greinke, Clayton Kershaw, Joey Votto, Evan Longoria, Ryan Braun, Andrew McCutcheon, Nelson Cruz, Edwin Encarnacion, Nick Markakis, Michael Brantley, Joaquin Soria, Rich Hill, and Oliver Perez. So which so Cheesecake, which one of those names would you most like to see win a World Series? You didn't say any Cubs on that list. I know. Uh, not an easy answer for you. Um you know, I'm gonna go with the guy who always uh, struck me as a class act, and that's Andrew McCutcheon. And uh, I'm going to lose respect if anyone says Ryan Braun. That's all I'm going to say. Yeah, he's a cheater. Hey, but yeah, he's, he's Jewish. Cheater. But he's Jewish, so I have to root for him. He won't he's be number che- one for me. He's a Jewish cheater. <laughs> there you go. He is, but us, you know, Jews got to stick together, man. That's all right, well, Eric, is that who you're picking? Oh, no, no, no. I mean, he's not at the top, but he's not at the bottom. Uh, good pick with McCutcheon. He does have a great Twitter bio, and I don't think you can understate that. I'm going with Clayton Kershaw because. He seems like a really good guy. He's had such great regular season success, and he has been such a choker in the playoffs. (laughs) And I know a lot of people thrive on that because the Dodgers spend a lot of money, and it's like, ha-ha, you're ultimately not winning. But I'd like to see him win at least one just to to kind of reverse the the jinx that he has on his postseason career, and I think it'd be the cheering on top of a Hall of Fame career. The Cubby on this pod does not want that to happen. So honorable mention to Nelson Cruz, the ageless wonder. Very true. I, I want the Dodgers to lose in the playoffs every year. Like I want them to have the most disappointed fan base, the blue balls team of all time. Hmm. I'll think right. about that next time they play the Cardinals. I'll say, wait, Art wanted the Dodgers to lose more. <laughs> hmm. Right. Interesting. Do you like what you're head. hearing so far? Yeah. Sure- <laughs> yeah. Thanks, Eric. Make sure you never miss a show by clicking the subscribe button wherever you find your podcasts. I'm doing it what- right now. Oh, yeah. Want to hear more triple play? Great news yes, for you. Yes. We have a fantasy football show that you can also check out available anywhere you get your podcasts. This is if- great. If you're enjoying the content, how about treating us like a ten top 10 prospect and giving us a five-star Ooh. rating and review? Ooh, those both sound good. Check us out on Twitter and Instagram at Trip Play Fantasy. Who runs it? <laughs> this annoying weenie-like person runs our social <laughs> media. 
and provides daily questions, annoying gifts, and of course, our weekly episode drops. Oh, wow. There's a lot of information there. You looking for that adrenaline rush? You know, the, the kind where you go to the bathroom and you don't put the seat down for your girlfriend? You bad, yes! you bad, bad boy. <laughs> if you're looking for that type of rush, that excitement, that feeling of being bad, then, tell listen, me. Tell me. then listen to our show. We want to keep you entertained, but it starts with you. You. Me? Yes. Me? You. Thank you, the loyal player, for your listens each and every week. And now, Air Cross. We welcome in a man that's been lauded as a prospect god. He's the lead MLB fantasy baseball writer and prospect analyst for Fantrax, a father of two, and an FSWA member. He's a contributor to the best-selling fantasy baseball black book, and if that's not enough, he hosts the Five Tool Fantasy Baseball podcast. Bring out the dancing lobsters for this mainer, because we're talking to the Jared Kalenic truther, Mr. Eric Cross. How's it going, man? Dude, A plus for that intro. I- I've heard you're you're a good intro. Uh, host and yeah, you look to the expectations there. That was great. Thanks, man. Well, yeah, we've really been looking forward to you coming on, but I, I have to uh, start out by airing some dirty laundry here. And, <laughs> and so we we started this podcast back in like late February, early March. Yeah, and we were a few weeks in, and that was when the uh, the baseball brackets came out. I don't know yeah. if you remember when baseball pods did it. Oh yeah, yeah. And we saw the Five Tool podcast in there, and at the time, we had actually that was our name, and we didn't know that you guys had that name too. Was that why there was two in there? There, there was no. two. There, there, at first, there was two like Five Tool pods on the bracket. Were there really? Yeah. Oh, maybe we, we did get it. And, we didn't <laughs> know. and then like one got changed, so I, I don't. I don't even know. Like, I reached out to him, and he's like, "Oh, that was a mistake or something like that." Oh, then, we were a mistake. Dang it! <laughs> I, I don't know if you just. I don't know if that's what it was, but yeah, that was funny. Uh, yeah, so uh, it, it was interesting because after we saw that, we were like, all right, we got to have our own name. And that's when we, we changed it to Triple Play. But it was kind of interesting because we saw that. I was like, oh, man. Like, we were, we were so pumped about the name. Oh, yeah, David texted me. We made this baseball podcast bracket. Look at the baseball podcast bracket. That's us. <laughs> we were like three weeks in and we were like, oh, my God. Yeah, so were we. I was, I was surprised we even made it. Yeah, we were at episode like three or four at the time when that, when that started. So yeah, that, that was a fun little tournament, though. Yeah. yeah. And we were so hyped too. We're like five tool. That's a great name. We're going to have five things that represent us, but you know, it must be something with the names, Eric, because we come up with great ideas. That's going to be a theme tonight. I think <laughs> how many times are you going to say that Eric? Um, a lot. I figured <laughs> us, Eric's got to stay in touch so we can rule the world one day. Oh, yeah. and peasants like David's work for us. Yeah, well, maybe I'll work for one Eric, but not not the Doc Eric. But anyway, so we have a show today that I'm very excited about. So I hope y'all are ready for this. Oh, get the shades on. Prospects twenty one, prospects twenty one, four buddies hanging out. Talking prospects, having a laugh. It's also fun. It's the CDC. We ain't talking about Corona. It's Cross, Doc, and Cheesecake too. Prospects twenty one, dun dun dun. Yeah, Prospects twenty one. Beautiful. <laughs> I, 
I thought you were going to say their future's so bright. You have to wear shades. I should have and done I thought that. that's where that was coming. Missed opportunity. Now yeah, next time. Yeah. Next time. All right. Yeah. I felt really good about this, and then you that just was to, great. No, no, no. That was great. I, I think, I think you know, we're just gonna add that topper on the end of it. Prospect twenty one. The future's so bright. They had to wear shades. Something like that. Prospects, and it's a hit. Prospects that's a banger. 20. Prospects 21 seems like the show that when you're done watching Hawaii Five-0, it says, if you like that, you'd like this. <laughs> yeah, I, I had that like that theme where like they're running slow on the beach. Prospects 21 or something like, you know, it just sounds like a Hawaii Five-0 show or something like that. I like it. It does. Uh, so, yeah, so sorry. That's a, that's a little uh, little interesting. Yeah, apparently uh, <laughs> our buddy there, <laughs> you're already calling us losers. <laughs> Uh, all right. Anyway, so we are going to be looking at a lot of great young players making their presence known in this crazy 60 game season. We are looking at these next wave of prospects looking to make a splash in 2021. The prospects chosen were the top 10 from that man right there, Air Cross projected in 2021. So we're going to be looking at a few factors, uh, which is going to be including their uh, who would play them in this movie or their major league comparison, their strengths and weaknesses that could uh, affect them to get the part into the show, the, the MLB, the show, and then the confidence level that you'll see them on the big screen in 2021. All right. So I want to start, Eric, you're the guest. So you get to pick out of the 10, the one you want to start off with. And I have a hunch. I might know where you're going to go. Oh, let's see here. I'll go with my boy. The one that might be in my Twitter bio, uh, Jared Kalenic. I think, ah, yes. I think he's going to be the uh, the top rookie for 2021. He could be, you know, people have started asking me, when do we think he'll be up? And, well, I think there's a chance that Seattle might go with the Evan White route and give him a long-term extension before the season. Probably not, but probably, he's, you know, after service time, things are all done. So, you know, I think in late April, early May or so. He's proven he's ready. You know, anyone that's seen all the alternate site footage where he's just mashing home runs up everybody, um, you know, he's ready. You know, this is a very advanced bat, even though he was only 20, uh, 2018 draftee out of high school. So you, you don't usually see these guys, you know, these guys be these, this advanced, but, you know, he's just a all-around monster. I've compared him to uh, Mookie Betts long-term for fantasy purposes. I think he can be that good. You know, he's, he's, he's kind of a little guy. He's like six foot, like, you know, 200 pounds, not, not a huge dude. But, you know, contact skills are just exquisite. Power's there. Speed could be a 30-30 guy um, within the next handful of years, I think. So uh, I don't think he's going to struggle too much, though. And you can never tell with rookies, obviously. But, uh, you know, he's a, a much more advanced bat than, like, a Joe Adele is or a Dylan Carlson is. Um, so I don't think he's going to have, the, you know, the peaks and valleys that those guys have had this year. So I feel pretty good that he can come up and contribute right away next year. Do you see any weaknesses in his game that you're a little concerned about that might hold him back? None that are glaring, no. Uh, he, he does everything pretty well. Doesn't strike out too much. Like I said contact skills are there. He can use, you know, he can uh, drive the ball to all fields. There's no glaring weakness in this game like, like there is with Joe Adele, like there is with Luis Robert with his, the swing and miss concerns. Yeah, there, there's really, you know, you, anything you find is basically just nitpicking. How wow. confident are you on a one to ten scale that if he plays next year he'll win Rookie of the Year? Just just throwing it out there because I'm a betting guy and you made a great case. <laughs> I'm trying to, trying to think of who else will be up early enough. I'd say if he's up by the end of May, which I think he, I mean, excuse me, end of April, I'd say seventy percent chance. 
I'm very confident. I good. love it. Love it. That's pretty good. Yeah, I've heard. I mean, he's. I'm not. I'm learning a lot more about prospects as I, I dig into it week by week more. But um, he's a name across every list that you just see, just everything, just glaring. Like this is, you know, he seems like he's a very well-rounded player. Yeah. And um, no, I'm very excited to see that Seattle outfield because that Seattle outfield is going to be serious, dude. So much talent, so much depth. Like everyone looks at kind of the biggest three names with Kyle Lewis, how he's performed this year, mm-hmm. Kalenic, and then Julio Rodriguez. They also got guys like Jake Fraley um, coming up there. So they have more than just that big three. And, it, and no, uh, another prospect, Novi Marte, uh, he's, he's a little further away, but super high upside. Currently a shortstop, but uh, he's not going to stay there. So there's a chance he could move out to a, a corner outfield spot. So there's a lot of talent coming up through this Seattle system. You know, the, they were considered kind of like a bottom 10 system as, you know, about two or three years ago. But, you know, they've really done well drafting and on the international market as well. So. Yeah, a lot of talent coming out. It's an exciting time to be a Seattle Mariners fan. Yeah, maybe maybe next year they break that uh, that twenty year streak and finally get in the playoffs, only get only to get bounced in the first round or something. Probably they're off. They have the offense to do so. I think they will have the offense to be a playoff team. But you know, pitching is still more of a question mark. I don't. I'm not really a big Justice Sheffield guy. I'm not mm. a huge um, Justin Dunn guy. I think they're they're fine. But Marco Gonzalez is a stressful one. Yeah, he, he's he's pitched very well this year. Uh, I don't know if I, I believe in it. You know, I think I think he's solid and you know mid mid rotation guy, but not someone that's going to like lead that staff. Uh, I love Logan Gilbert, their top pitching prospect, and they just also drafted Emerson Hancock uh, out of Un- University of Georgia. So um, they have some guys, but none there. Gilbert should be up next year, but I think their pitching is still kind of a couple years away from you know being you know playoff uh, caliber. It's interesting. Art, you have. Uh someone on your list that I guess can contribute to this talk. So uh, Cheesecake, do you want to take it away with your first guy? Yeah, well, I, I, I really appreciate it. As, I, as, as like you, David, I'm trying to get better with my prospects. And when we, we do these shows, it, like spending time watching, watching film on Julio Rodriguez is just a, a pleasure. It's a pleasure to watch him hit. He has such a fluid swing. His hands are so good through the swing and the way he – uh, his his hitting is just amazing to see it. He's he's changed his batting stance a little bit last year. At least I saw something he's doing before uh, before um, he hits. He's he's doing like a Goldschmidt thing where he holds the bat back until the pitch starts to come, and then he loosens his arms up. He didn't do that two years ago, and I'm wondering if if it's if he's doing it, I, th- I feel like Goldschmidt does it to keep his arms loose through the swing, and I'm wondering if he's doing it. But it's a change he's made, and and honestly, he's he's raking everywhere. I mean, he's had 622 plate appearances in the minor leagues, uh, and he has 69 extra base hits. He's 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 raking 322, 395, 534 triple slash. Um, the one thing I would say about him is he's he. He's not even 20 years old yet. He's listed 6'3", 180. In 2017, I was watching some film on him from the Dominican. He was listed at 205. I don't think that was right for then. But I'll tell you what, he looks a little bit like he needs to fill out a little bit. He's got a lot more power in him, but uh, he needs to fill out. He's not in his grown-up body yet. Um, So I, I don't really see him being a contributor next year, actually. I think he's he only has... Uh, basically one and a half seasons of minor league ball. He's still like not even 20 years old, like I said. 
I think he can add bulk. Uh, I think that portends to be a corner outfielder in the future, but he's got the power and he's a pretty good fielder anyways. Um, I, I heard uh, Matt Thompson from friends with fantasy benefits compared him to Eloy Jimenez. And I thought that was a really good comp. Um, I think that's, if you're looking at Julio, like that's what you're, that's what you're shooting for with him. If you're picking up in a dynasty, it's like an Eloy Jimenez type talent. Awesome. Great breakdown there. Cheesecake. Um, again, that Seattle outfield is going to be interesting. Yeah. Times. Doc hop in here. First guy I'm going to talk about is Wander Franco, probably the number one prospect that everybody knows. And you better yeah, not mess this up. I'm trying to get better with prospects myself. Wander Franco is going to be 20 when next season starts. He's a switch hitter in his two full seasons that he's played in the minors. His 14 triples, 37 doubles, and 20 home runs. So great at extra base hits. He has an 83 to 54 walk to strikeout. So great discipline and great at getting on base. His batting average has been 351 and 327, and each year his on-base percentage is close to 400. So you have him at the top of the lineup, you're going to have someone that's going to get on base and that has steel potential. The Rays infield isn't too crowded. Willie Adamas, Mike Brosu, the Lowe's, Andy Diaz, Joey Wendell. I, I see Wander Franco having an everyday spot, especially with the DH. He comes from a baseball family. His dad uh, played in the minors, and Eric Ibar is actually his uncle. So I think it's helpful when you come from that family where you have the DNA, where you might be able to get tips. I'll say where he needs to improve is he needs to get better on the base paths. For his career, he has 22 stolen bases and 18 caught stealing, which is not good Mm. at all. Mm. I like the aggression, but I think he needs to understand better counts and opportunities of when to steal. And I think that's going to come with age. He is 19 right now. I'd say my confidence of him making it to the majors next year is a 9.5. And the only reason why I say no is it's because the Rays and Kevin Cash, and I just can't trust that organization. (laughs) So even though he's so talented and we've seen 19 and 20 year olds perform well, like Juan Soto recently, I just can't trust anything that the Rays do, whether it's bullpen, whether it's hitting. Mm. I just can't commit 100% yet. And my comparison for him is 2006 to 2008 Alfonso Soriano. I know he wasn't a switch hitter, but somebody that started as a shortstop and had that 40-40 potential. And I think that's eventually Juan DeFranco's ceiling. You think he has 40 homer potential? I do, I do. I'm gonna I'm gonna cross check that with the pro here. I I think he could build. He needs to to bulk up a little bit, but I think that could be his ceiling. So, forty home runs. That's a lot. Um, I think I, I definitely a better chance he gets to forty home runs than forty steals. He's not that type of base stealer. Even he's probably right around maybe a hair above average foot speed right now. You know, that's probably if he fills out, adds some more bulk. He's probably a you know, a 50-grade runner, probably more on the 15 to 20 steel range moving forward. Power right now, I think he could be a 30-home run guy. But who knows, like, you know, a good comparison, you know, people have put a comp on him of Juan Soto, um, which is kind of, you know, both guys really great hit tools. And Soto's kind of grown into more and more power. Like, power Soto is showing now, he wasn't showing when he was 19. He was showing pretty good power, maybe 25, 30-home run power then. But now he's kind of more of 35, 40-home run power. 
So I think, you know, you could see Franco get up that high. I'm still kind of sticking in the 30 range, but that's going to come with batting title upside. This is an 80-grade hit tool. Watch his hands. His hands are the quickest hands you'll ever see. You you can't even see them so damn fast. Uh, (laughs) But it's the hands, the barrel control. Obviously, you mentioned the the walk-to-strikeout ratio. His zone awareness is the best I've ever seen for a prospect. Uh, I don't see that getting, you know, that's stayed with him as he's gone up through a couple levels now up to high A. Uh, so, yeah, I do think he's up, you know, at some point in 2021. They might even call him up for the playoffs. Who knows? He's on the the, the playoff uh, player pool for them. So uh, I wouldn't put it out of the wrong possibility. He debuts this year, but probably in the playoffs. But, you know, Franco is going to be a, yeah, he's going to be a stud for a long time. Yeah, and, and I'm glad that we could get this early in the show where we could get you to just fact check Eric real quick because I'm, I'm here for it. I'm, I'm here for all of that tonight. You know what? Soriano, his first full year, had 18 home runs. Then the next year, boom, hit 39. So, you know, and he was 25 when that happened. I mean, let let, Water think, let, let Wander Franco grow into his body a little bit. I was watching some highlights. You know, we'll see. All right. I'm going to start mine with Marco. I think it's say Marco Luciano, um, this 19-year-old baby. He's six-two with a strong upper body, plenty of power in his bat. You just hear everybody in the Giants organization talking about the sound. I know we've used this expression before in the show. The sound the ball makes coming off his bat is different than others. And uh, you know, last year he hit in 2019, hit 302 across two leagues. Um, and it was 47 games. He hit 10 homers and stole nine bags. So, and I saw that um, MLB analyst Jim Callis called him the number one overall prospect in baseball for 2022. So he's got a lot of upside there. He plays great defense uh, from what I was reading at short. He could move into the outfield, they said, eventually. But also right now you look at their shortstop, it's Brandon Crawford. So I don't think that's someone you're too scared of being a long-term solution. I also saw a story about the Giants hitting coach talking about how he struggled with four seamers riding high in the zone and kept fouling them off. And then the next day he went back to the training site and homered off of it this year. And I also saw that he was struggling with sliders early in camp and the next day was strictly hitting off the slider machine and wouldn't hit any other pitch. So it sounds like this guy just wants to be different. And I just read so much about his raw power and his crazy bat speed, his surprising strength, even though he's kind of a, a wiry build. And uh, I just think he has such a great young mind and has such a great approach that I'm, I'm wondering if he has a uh, uh, maybe a 280 to 290 batting average with maybe 30 to 35 home runs is kind of a, the norm for him. And uh, I was just really impressed with it seems like his baseball IQ and overall athleticism. So um, I actually, Eric, I was kind of annoyed you said Alfonso Soriano because I was looking at someone who started out, like you said, as an infielder, moved to the outfield um, that has that type of power and, and the the quick hands. And Alfonso Soriano was one who came to my mind for for that. So I, I feel like that that could be his ceiling. Yeah, definitely. Luciano is very, very high upside there. Love uh, him long term. I think he definitely could be once, you know, Franco and Kalenic and Adele finally graduate. I think he definitely could be number one prospect in 2022. And if he's not, this next guy might. I'm um, we'll go a couple spots down. Go C.J. Abrams of the San Diego Padres, uh, number six overall pick last June um, out, of, out of high school in California, and he's already you know he, he didn't he wasted zero time uh, tearing up the Arizona uh, rookie league. 
uh, slashed 401, 442, 662 in 32 games with 12 doubles, eight triples, three homers, and 14 steals. A uh, buddy of mine, uh, I talked to uh, somebody regularly, Jason Panini. He's now, he used to be with Prospects Live, one of the, one of their founders. Uh, now he's in um, a pro scout with the Minnesota Twins, uh, one of the best scouting minds I've ever had the privilege of talking with. Uh, he did a huge piece last, uh, right around the time last year, right in the fall, uh, ranking the top 100 players he saw. He lives, he lived out at the time out in the Arizona area. So he was at the Arizona League every day, all day, every day. So he did a top 100 players he saw there. I think he had Abrams. It was like Luciano and Abrams were the top two. I forget which order he had him in, but he ranted and raved about Abrams. Um, I have not a chance to see Abrams yet. He hasn't come anywhere near me. Uh, he took up to the, uh, to the uh, low A Midwest League last year for a couple games. Uh, probably starts you know, either in low A or high A next year, assuming we have a minor league season and everything's back to normal, hoping, you know, fingers crossed there. But this is a guy with a plus hit tool, you know, lightning quick bat speed, phenomenal barrel control, uh, can spray line drives to all field. He's more of a contact over power guy so far, but there is power upside there. And I'm not saying 25, 30 home runs or anything like that, but I think he could get up 15 to 20 in that range mm-hmm. that he has on that type of upside, so if he, if he adds bulk, it starts driving the ball more in the air. Um, and then, obviously, the speed is, you know, it's bare minimum 70 grade. You know, some sites I've seen um, have it at 80 grade. You know, whatever, this is a 30-plus steal threat easily, maybe some 40 steal seasons in there. So if that power comes along, I think it can. And this is going to be, you know, can I think of, like, for, a you know, a great ceiling comp, like, Trey Turner before this year, before Trey Turner added that 30 home run power he's shown this year, kind of like 15 to 20 home runs, 30 plus deals, pretty good batting average. Mm-hmm. I think that's what uh, Abrams can be. You know, the big question is right now, he's a shortstop. Obviously, there's, you know, this fellow named Fernando Tatis Jr. at shortstop. So, never heard of him. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> I heard he's pretty good. I don't know. I'll have to do some research on him. But, you know, so the question is, you know, obviously, where does Abrams play long term? Um, He's 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 a decent enough defender, not great, not a gold glove caliber shortstop, but he's got good hands, good range. So you know, maybe you know the logical spot is moving over to second base. Obviously, third base is kind of out of the question too, with Machado signed long term. So you think second base, maybe you know a little bit outfield or that center field or whatnot. You know, I think long term he's probably a second baseman, and this type of offensive upside with that speed and average and a little bit of pop that he can bring, you know, he could be one of the you know, elite fantasy you know, uh, second baseman for, you know, once he gets uh, finds his groove. So very exciting young player to watch. Cheesecake, I know you looked into him a little bit too. Was there anything that you, that Eric said that you wanted to add on to that? I, I, I think, yeah, he's, he looks amazing. Uh, he, he's, he's a skinny guy right now. Again, he was at second base a little bit in spring training with the Padres this year. So they're working him out in second base. I actually like, I like in his, his, Looking at him, it reminds me of an ex-White Sox guy named Lance Johnson in the batter's box, who let, guy led the league in triples like five straight seasons and was a great center fielder for them. But uh, he's so much bigger than Lance Johnson was. He's 6'2", he's 185, and he looks thin. He looks wire thin. But he has such great back control. I think if he bolts up a little bit, which is naturally going to happen, he uh, he's not even 20 years old either. I think... I think that uh, he that that like you said, 15, 15 home run power, three hundred hitter. He he looks he looks like he's locked in. Um, 
yeah, I don't, but I, yeah, I don't see him really doing anything quite next year. I don't know. I think he might be another year or two away. So. Yeah, I agree. He's, he's, he's more of 20, 22. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. Yeah, well, uh, real quick, we will take it. If you guys want to ask a question, um, just send them in. We'll get to them as we keep talking here. So you can send those in. Uh, Cheesecake, I want to stay with you, though, because is there another guy that you want to talk about? Because I know you're itching. I can just tell. Go ahead. Well, Let it go. Well, I mean, I mean, I'm intrigued by Spencer Torkelson. Um, I think, you know, he got drafted first overall this year. He's listed in the top 10 prospects. And I, I'm just naturally skeptical that a guy that a guy who's, who hasn't seen any minor league experience is going to be a top 10 prospect. I looked in him and he's just so he's he's he has so much power. He was a 337 hitter at Arizona State too, um, but he has um, he only has 628 plate appearances that we have statistics for. Uh, interestingly, I was reading an article by Jeff Zimmerman from the Hardball Times in 2016, which was analyzing college stats, and he said that something like a college career, even through a senior season, you're not getting enough plate appearances to actually um, stabilize your stats over that, but you do get enough for say K percentage and ISO. And uh, so if you're looking at like, you need about 600 plate appearances to stabilize the ISO. His ISO is for, it was almost 400 uh, in college. And so like he, I, I, I mean, I, I, I watched the same tape on YouTube that you guys have. He hits the ball a long way. Uh, he has a really good batting eye. He, he, First 17 games of this year, he really – his strikeout-to-walk rate went drastically more walks than strikeouts, where he had been about even prior to this season. So I really like his batting. I, I think that his floor is like one of those three true outcome type guys, but he has a really massive power ceiling. So, um, But I, I – you know, I, I thought it was really, really – Interesting, the uh, the Zimmerman article about uh, collegiate careers and how you can't really extrapolate stats on that. That's that's long. I like everything you were saying there, and I, I mean the Tigers are just striking gold with all the guys that they have coming oh, yeah. through their system. And as a Twins fan, I'm very nervous what they're going to look like. In a lot few of years. pitching they got coming up. Yeah, I, I'm, and the White Sox with all their hitting, it, it's like the Twins' window is is dwindling because all this talent is on its way. So I'm, I'm going to win a playoff game. I know. It's... Hey, Minnesota's got a good system too. They're probably a you know back end top ten system, and you get Alex Kirilov, Royce Lewis, uh, Yohan Duran, Jordan Belazovic, you know, uh, um, uh, Trevor Larnich. You got a lot of good players coming up too. So don't be so you know don't be so sad over there. I think you'll, you'll be okay. You'll be okay. <laughs> Kirilov looks like the real deal. I've I've looked into him in the past. He's he's. He looks like he can hit. I, I I didn't know if any of those that you had said. I know a couple of them, but I know like Royce Lewis, but I wasn't too familiar with their pitching prospects as, as far as how high end they were because I felt like that was where I was concerned. Yeah, they're not like elite, but you'll you'll see. You know, uh, I mentioned Yohan Duran and Jordan Belazovic. Belazovic is probably their top pitching one. Uh, he's probably a guy you'll see in the, kind of like the back end, you know, ninety to one twenty five range on a lot of prospect lists. Um, I'll pull mine up here in a second here. I can't remember. He's probably in that range for me as well. Uh, I know the minor geared a little more towards fantasy than real life, but, um, but yeah, definitely a couple of intriguing young arms there. I also have got him, uh, Misael Urbina outfield prospect from the 28 
2018 international crop, maybe 2019, no, 2018. Um, he's kind of what I mentioned about CJ Abrams. He's kind of got that upside, but just like kind of scaled back a little bit, you know, a little less speed, little, um, but the same power, a little less contact, but um, definitely an intriguing uh, young prospect that could be up, you know, he's probably three, four years away, but um, yeah, definitely Minnesota's got a good system too. So there's a lot, a lot of talent coming up within that AL Central. And Detroit had all the pitching. And then this year they went all hitting in the draft with Torkelson. Gage Workman out of Arizona State, uh, his teammate, Torkelson's teammate. Uh, Daniel Cabrera out of LSU. Um, so not the of, formal Orioles pitcher? <laughs> no, not him. No, that would have been bad. Um, uh, yeah, the guy, uh, Dylan Dingler, one of the best catcher, catching uh, prospects in that draft out of Ohio State. So, yeah, they, they had a very, very good draft. Uh, a lot of people uh, applauded them for what they did and a lot of college hitting. So, yeah, Detroit's going to be a problem in about three, four years when they, all that hitting comes up along with all the pitching, the young pitching they have. Yeah. With I saw him very high on Casey Mize, even though he's struggled a lot. I'm so high on Tardik Scooball. Uh, Matt Manning, I think, is going to be a beast. Um, they, plus, they have a few more, too. So, yeah, that's it. Detroit teams would be pretty good. Well, I don't. I feel kind of down now. No talk of uh, Matthew Boyd on this podcast, just like it should be. Oh yeah. God! I, I oh God! Don't even. Boyd <laughs> sucks. Why? People need to stop. Like he had a good two months, and then the rest of his career has been a giant pile of dog crap. I don't get it. Like, yeah, he'll he'll have a gem every now and then because you know he's got some good stuff when he can command it. But it's like he's not that good of a pitcher. He's a yeah. Son. I, I think they, they, it's one of those guys they fall in love with, like you said, the stuff. I mean, when his slider is on, it looks really, really good. Oh, strikeouts. Oh, Robbie Reagan gets strikeouts too, but he also has one of the highest walk rates of all time. Oh, this my year. God. I, like, I really thought when they showed that he, I thought when they showed that he was, like, changing his position on the mound, I was like, oh, he's going to throw strikes now. And now with all that strikeout <laughs> stuff, I bought into all that I read. Oh, with, with, with Boyd or Ray? With Ray, because I saw Ray. that he, they said he changed his positioning on the mound, so that way he would throw it more strikes and they said it was yeah. looking like and i in my nfbc team i i drafted him and killed my ratios for the time yeah. i had him so he's yeah but anyway um, it, was, it, was, it was funny when he, when he got traded to toronto at the deadline i forget who made this tweet i think it was uh nathan Dawkins, who's now with roto fanatic used to be with us at fan tracks i think he said something along the lines of you know they offered robbie ray a flight to toronto but he declined. He said he prefers to walk or something like that. <laughs> I like that. Yeah, that was, it was it was great. I, I got a good chuckle out of that. I'm like, it's so smart on. That's funny. Um, Doc, do you want to get to one more guy on this list and uh, educate us real quick? Yeah, sure. So who, the guy I'm picking next comes from a baseball family again, Bobby Witt Jr. So his dad, Bobby Witt Sr., played 16 years in MLB. He's actually his advisor. He's a current player agent. So you know that he's going to keep him motivated. He's excellent defensively, and right now he's an infielder. But I think that the Royals might do kind of what they did with Whit Merrifield, make him you know kind of uh, useful in the outfield as well. Um, I think he's going to be a good leadoff hitter. He doesn't have a lot of power, but sometimes the ball can really fly off his bat. They've said that a few times uh, he's had an exit velo of over 100. This season he hasn't displayed much, but he has one homer and 80 plate appearances. But he has nine stolen bases. My comparison to him is Jeff McNeil. And I know Jeff McNeil had 23 homers last year, but he had no homers for the first 33 games this year. Then he homered in four straight games and none in the last 12. So I think Bobby Wood is going to be a 10 to 12 homer guy, 
somebody that gets on base, somebody that steals, is going to be a good table setter, a little bit pole happy. Um, don't think he'll be up in uh, in the next year. And I, I'm just waiting, Eric. I'm Go loving ahead. his facial expression. I, I saw it too. I was like, let me hear it. <laughs> Let's hear it. Uh, Bobby Wood Jr. has 30 homer power. I'm going to say that right now. Um, he is – the hit tool was the concern with Bobby Wood Jr. when he was drafted. Everyone you know, loved the power and the speed. He could – you know, Pete could be a 30-30 guy, plus power, plus speed. Um, and, he, and he's made improvements with the hit tool as well. And so those kind of question questions about that have kind of died down a little bit, um, improved his approach as well. Um, so I definitely think he has more power. I think he could be, you know, 20, about 30, uh, more of like a middle of the order guy than a top of the order guy, in my opinion. Yeah, I, I was looking at his high school stats and he had five in his senior year. He had five fifteen with 15 homers, 54 RBIs. And obviously he's going to do some more bulking up. He's six one one eighty five right now. I, I'd like to see him add a little that's bit a, of muscle. That's a twig, Jesus. Yeah. Yeah. So I think if he bulks up, yeah, I definitely see more. More homer potential and the the high exit velo definitely does give me that optimism. Um, I was just I looked at the Jeff McNeil and you know Jeff McNeil had twenty three homers last year. I think that'll probably be his career high. But they're six one, similar weight, both good defensively and have um, you know multi position eligibility so or flexibility. So just yeah. my comparison. For I me. um I've been I've learned a lot so just talking about Jeff McNeil and they were saying that like when he sells for power, his batting average go down, goes down, but that's when you'll see him hit homers in four straight games. So it's going to be kind of how he wants to hit. Like if he, if he wants to be a batting average guy, he's not putting that kind of the launch angle on the ball from everything I was, when I was researching about, uh, I've researched Jeff McNeil before, but uh, yeah, it's interesting because his batting average goes way down when he starts hitting for power. So I think it's interesting if, if you do say that Bobby Witt is a similar comparison, then, you know, it's. I wonder if he can do both. That's the only thing. I'm, it sounds like Eric, you're saying that he could hit for probably power, and then also maybe not three twenty, three thirty average, but you know, maybe closer to like three hundred or something similar. Maybe not even that high. Maybe more like the two seventy, two eighty range. But I think with his power speed, that that could definitely play. But uh, he reminds me kind of a, a young Trevor Story. I hate putting these lofty comps, but you know, obviously Trevor Story now is turned into one of the best hitters in the game, one of the best fantasy assets in the game. But kind of like when he first came up, it was kind of like the same, like, all right, questions about the hit tool. Maybe he strikes out a little bit too much. Power speed is, is a nice blend there. Um, and then obviously Story's made the adjustments as his career's gone on, gotten better and better each year. I think I kind of see Wit having a little bit like a young Trevor Story in him. Interesting. Like um, so I'll bring up the first guy that's I think has actually been in the major leagues this year. Um, I, yeah, I don't think anybody else we brought up has been. Um, so Dylan Carlson – uh, this year obviously did not go as planned and just under a hundred at bats. He hit 196 with two homers and 11 RBIs, um, and just one steal. And part of his appeal is his potential of stealing bases. And yes, it's, it's not, it's fair to say he struggled with his first taste in the big leagues, but I think recently he's figured things out a little bit because over his last seven games, he's hit 286 with one homer and six RBIs. He does have a 71% sprint speed. So I think that will obviously give him more steals. Uh, I like to see that. That means he'll probably run. His average exit velocity is around 86 miles an hour, so I think that will need to go up. And he's striking out nearly 30% of the time, which obviously needs to go down. But one of the key things I noted from this year in 24 at-bats against off-speed pitches, he's hitting 083 with a 38% whiff rate. That was by far 
uh, the worst pitch or worst type of pitching that he could hit against. He was hitting at least like in the one fifties versus every other pitch. So um, I feel like he's basically, he can, he's hitting the ball. It's just, he needs to uh, obviously get better with the different types of pitches. Obviously the more exposure he gets in the big leagues. But one of the things I also saw is he's very balanced to all parts of the field. It was a very good percentage from where he's uh, spreading the ball out. So it's not like he's pull heavy, um, which I think is really great for a young hitter. And uh, the last thing I noticed is he's right now hitting at the ground. Uh, he's hitting at a 46% ground ball rate and 12% fly ball rate. Obviously that's not going to get the job done either. So I think this is an example of someone getting his first taste of the big leagues, a lot of numbers that need to change. But I think if he gets everything right, I'm not going to mention that guy, Andrew Benatendi on this podcast. You because, did. No, I mean, I, I, that would be the first comparison I would give. But especially for Eric's sake, too, because I know he's in Maine. And I'm pretty sure he's Red Sox town. So I'm going to uh, pick a comparison to a better guy for in Boston, an Alex Verdugo, maybe a 20 homer, 15 steal, 280 type of guy, You can, if you think that's right, Eric. I think there's a little uh, little more power upside with Carlson. I think he could be like a 25 to 30 home run guy. But, yeah, that's definitely yeah. Don't comp anybody that Ben Intendi right now. That's, <laughs> uh, yeah. God, that, he, he has fallen out of – out of everyone's good graces here in Red Sox Nation. Now, I'm not just talking from fantasy, but this is a real-life perspective. Everyone loved him when he came up. He had that 2020 season back in 2017, double, I believe it was. It's just been, wow, nosedive since then. <laughs> Mike, get out of here. Get out of here, Curlin. He says, you're not worthy. <laughs> up, buddy. Love you, buddy. Mention yeah. Alonso and how I'm winning that bet with you right now. How, how about that, Mike? <laughs> you, I think I think I think you need to uh, educate everybody that listens to this show what the bet between you guys and, and Pete Alonso is. <laughs> um, it was a bet we made. We're on the end of August. Uh, Who would be better? Just better rest of season, Pete Alonso or Kyle Lewis? Obviously, I took Alonso. He took Lewis. To be f- fair, we both have losses. They both guys have kind of been like really bad. I think they're both hitting like right around 200 since then, but with some power. Um, but yeah, no, this is a fun little bet we had because Mike and I, we have a good relationship, but we love, we love giving each other, you know, a little, little um, ribbing there, a little uh, good humored fun. But um, yes, yeah, so we was like, yeah, let's make, let's put some, make a bet about it. So yeah, it's been fun. That's awesome. Yeah. Um, so there were two more guys on this list. Uh, I think we, it's of course the, the, the pitching pride of San Diego, Mackenzie Gore, um, so Eric, I feel like you would probably break that down better than any of us. Cause I was interested to hear your thoughts. Obviously he's the top pitching prospect in baseball right now. Uh, are you, he could be, have brought up this season. Um, was very interested to see why they didn't bring him up, but, um, uh, anything kind of that people might not know about him that besides what you might just read on every headline. No, not really. I mean, he comes as advertised. Uh, you mentioned he is the best pitching prospect in the game. Um, can throw four pitches that either grade as or flash plus in any one outing. And highly athletic delivery. If, if you, anyone's ever watched him, it kind of brings back memories of Dontrell Willis with that high leg kick. But, you know, he, he repeats his delivery well. Uh, great extension towards home plate, which helps his fastball, um, you know, be even better than it is. And it's, you know, a great fastball in general. Uh, it kind of sits in that 93 to 96 range for the most part. Uh, can touch a little higher than that. And so you still got some room for growth too. So he could add a tick to that fastball over the next couple of years. If he fills out a little more, uh, I think he's listed at, what do you list at? Uh, right now it's six two one ninety seven. So 
Um, I think he's a little tall. He might, he might have grown since then. I feel like he's more like 6'3", six, 6'4", six, now. Wow. Um, just, just the eye test. I could be wrong there, but um, he looks a little taller than that. Um, so definitely someone to fill out. You know, he's, he's very uh, very polished and poised, you know, bulldog mentality out there on the mound. Uh, doesn't walk many guys. You know, his walk rate in the minor leagues, uh, walks for nine, 2.6. Uh, all of his pitches he, he can use to get strikeouts with too. So um, command and control is above average. You know, very advanced guy for – Someone that's only twenty, and I'm I'm very surprised too um, that Gordon get brought up. Just even with how San Diego, you know, they're kind of like that all in. You know, they went out and made all those trades at the deadline to bolster their catchers with Castro and and uh, Nola. The bullpen arms they got, obviously getting um, Clevenger from Sandy uh, from uh, Cleveland. So the, they're a guy. They're all in. They're gonna bring up, and they brought up Patino, Luis Patino. Another one of the um, top ten pitching prospects in the game earlier in the season. So, God, they're gonna bring up Mackenzie Gore like August, September for the stretch run. Maybe they use him out of the bullpen, like you know, they, like Oakland did with Jesus Lazardo last year. Um, but yeah, it's been all crickets there, so it's very surprising. Um, but you know, he's another one kind of like Kalenic. He should be up pretty early next year. They'll probably start him back. At, you know, he finished twenty nineteen in the Double H Texas League. Maybe he goes back there. Maybe they put him in Triple A. We'll see. Um, but he should be up, you know, by the end of May or so, assuming everything goes well to start next season in the minors. But yeah, this is a, a Cy Young caliber pitcher, um, probably one of the, you know, I've really started getting. I've been in the prospects forever, but really started getting into more of the eval- player evaluation and scouting you know, side of it, you know, a handful of years ago. And he's probably the best pitcher I've seen over the last five years coming up in the minor leagues. Um, so yeah, definitely one to be excited about both next year, you know, and moving forward. But caution, you know, rookie pitchers. Uh, don't usually work out as well as rookie hitters do. So if you're expecting him to, you know, come in and be a top 25 fantasy arm next year, you know, you might want to you know, temper those expectations a bit. Yeah, and and I like that. Uh, I'll let uh, David read Mike's comments. Well, I was just going to say he's yeah. commenting his steals. That, that's very accurate. Uh, <laughs> so what I like about him too, I mean, he's going to go into a rotation that has Clevenger, Denilson, Lamette, Chris Paddock. I mean, you kind of want those people there. I mean, they're, that's probably one of the top five to seven rotations I'm thinking off the top of my head. Like, you're going to be able to get good advice and P's and Q's from pitchers that are, that are already there and somewhat established. And if we have a regular season and the NL goes to the pitcher hitting again, I mean, that's one out of every nine guys where, unless you're facing a Madison Bumgarner or Micah Owings, sneak <laughs> out. Yeah, I, I'm. I'm curious. I'll move. To, I'll go to the last guy real quick after this, uh, Eric. If you were drafting in fantasy, where would you com- where would you be comfortable taking Mackenzie Gore in your draft? Like what round? For redraft league. For redraft league. Yeah, I'm sorry. Yes, redraft. Uh, next year, probably. He he'd be late just because you know I I don't like stashing guys too often unless I think they could have like a Kalenic type of impact, like I mentioned earlier in the show. Um, for the pitcher, I rarely stash pitchers, so uh, it'd be more of like a deeper league, kind of a late round stash. Um, and with his, you know, the upside he has, and the, the Padres factor and everything that goes with that, uh, I don't see myself getting him in any draft. He'll probably, I can see him by the time you know his ADP will probably creep up as the spring goes on, probably in probably inside top two hundred, I'd say. Uh, so I won't be getting him in any draft. I'm not willing to go that high in rookie pitcher unless it's like. He's just Lazardo this year. A guy that was already up last year. Guy I was more confident in because he's in the opening day rotation before he got hurt um, or COVID. And uh, that's the type of guy maybe I'll go a little higher on. But yeah, Gore. I think um, I'll, I'd wait longer than most on Gore. 
That's fair. Um, the one last guy I'll get to real quick here. I know you had on your list, Joe Adele. Um, we had actually had the Welsh come on and, and talk him about him a little bit um, a few months back. And uh, just some things I remember. Um, well, I obviously he had 30 to 35 or he was 30 out of 35 in the minor leagues uh, for stolen bases. So really good percentage. And I remember the Welsh saying that he increased his walk rate all throughout the Arizona fall league. And that, Again, the ball sounds different coming off his bat, but he is also has a great head on his shoulders, and he crossed over five different levels in 2019, so this is a really good thing for his track record. And he said that he was smarter than 85% of the guys he met when he was there, and that he actually uses analytics, and he's not a guy that presses. He kind of just looks at the data and makes adjustments. So I'm very interested in him next year. I know he didn't do well this year, could through 117 at-bats hit 154 with three homers and seven RBIs, and Kate 41% of the time, but that outfield in, in LA, besides Mike Trout, there's nobody locked in to play there. So he'll have the opportunity to make an impact if he can, you know, fix some things next year. And he's a true five tool potential type of guy. And um, that power speed combo made me think of like a, uh, a Byron Buxton potentially uh, when he's like good Byron Buxton or, <laughs> Maybe like uh, we were for like what three weeks? Yeah, I guess. all season. Or, uh, migraines kick in. Yeah, something like that. Someone that's like a, a good power speed guy that, uh, or maybe even like a, I'm thinking like a prime BJ Upton, like in his prime kind of thing. So yeah. that again, if there's anything that you feel like I missed on the, on his evaluation, no, I'll add a couple of things here. You know, first off. Joe Adele is a great example of people need to remember that not every we've been spoiled recently with, you know, Acuna, Soto, Tatis and others coming up and just dominating from the get go. Those are the exceptions to the rule. You know, those shouldn't be what everyone expects. Now, those are the you know anomalies. You know, rookies usually struggle. We've seen that more often than not. And Adele, he. He goes to what you said about his, his kind of head on his shoulders and IQ that uh, Welsh mentioned. I love Welsh. I go on his podcast a lot. Uh, met him out at the Arizona Fall League last year. Adele have pretty much struggled at the beginning of every level he's been at. Then he makes those adjustments, and then he really turns it on. He hasn't had the chance to make those adjustments yet at either AAA last year or the majors this year. And I'm, I'm glad the Angels actually gave him some run and then like immediately demote him like I don't know, Colorado does. But um, <laughs> it's getting a little bit of run. He hasn't played that much over the last couple of weeks. But, you know, he hasn't really had a long time to make those adjustments. And last year he struggled. Uh, I think he played like 30 or some odd games at AAA. Didn't hit a home run. Didn't really look well. You know, didn't, I didn't think he had a steal either. Um, so he needs to make those adjustments. I'm confident he can. The power is, you know, otherworldly. It's, you know, seven, at least double-plus raw power to all fields. He put on an absolute show um, in batting practice before the Fall Stars game last year at the AFL. Um, speed, he could be a 30-steal guy. He hasn't shown that he wants to run that much, though. So it'll be interesting to see how much he decides to run. He's a plus runner, so you know, and, and he's uh, a high success rate too. So he could be a 25-30 steal guy if he wants to be. You know, we'll see if, if he, you know, if he wants to be that type of guy, or maybe he's more of a 15 to 20 steal guy. Um, but you know, I think he'll, he'll make those adjustments. Hopefully, I can see him back at AAA next year month or two get some seasoning there um, where he probably would have been this year um, if we had a normal season and then get called back up but I'm still very high on him so you know if you can buy low in dynasty leagues I definitely will do so uh the Malik Smith the Malik Smith treatment up in the majors 
down in the minors, back up to the majors. You just compared Joe Adele to Malik Smith. I, said, I, was, I was a little worried. He said Malik Smith. I got a little worried. I'm like, where is he going with this? <laughs> nah, it's just the treatment. Okay, well, that's funny. Uh, well, that was great analysis. And uh, I think everybody listening, hopefully, when you're looking into these guys, potentially for 2021 or beyond, mostly Eric, and then a couple tidbits from us helped in that. Um, but that's why we have these guys come on like Eric, because they can help, help us grow, help us learn and, uh, help you guys learn. So, uh, we're all in this together is how I look at it. Yeah. You know, when you're done watching your current show on Netflix, make sure you watch prospects 21 next. <laughs> I'm, I'm making this a TV show. Coming, coming to you after Hawaii five Oh tonight at 10. Yes. Oh yeah. Uh, so we're now going to move to our question of the week sponsored by Manscaped. Go ahead. Take it away. Cheesecake. As the baseball season comes to a close and the playoffs are about to be again, make sure you don't get tagged out before crossing home plate due to, due to substandard grooming below the waist, gentlemen. Manscaped is here with the hook slide technique to get you across home with the best grooming experience that you can find. We've all been there. You're getting ready for a good night with your partner, and you get to the grooming part and have a mishap. Oh, no. Take it from me, a guy who was so frightened of the blades that I never groomed as closely as I wanted to. No more, gentlemen, no more. Manscaped has redesigned their electric trimmer for the most precise and comfortable grooming experience you'll ever have. It's called the Lawnmower 3.0, folks. The Manscaped Perfect Package 3.0 would be yours. And it comes with a waterproof lawnmower 3.0, the performance boxer briefs, and a travel bag for you to use once we're done quarantining. That's not all. You also get the crop preserver and the crop reviver. What are those things? Crop preserver reduces chafing. We all, no one, you got to get rid of that chafing, guys. It'll ruin your quality of life. Hate that chafing. And you need to give a boost to your balls like it's the MLB in 2019. And that's what the crop reviver is for. <laughs> oh, my gosh. That's, that's gold right there. Get 20% off and free shipping with the code TRIPLEPLAY at manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping and use the code TRIPLEPLAY. These playoffs, shake off the catcher calling for the week off speed stuff and come with the heater. Choose Manscaped for your most Important male grooming needs. Wow, you sold me. That was great. Cheesecake. That was cheesecake. You were rivaling Eric's from last week. Oh, that was good. I learned about cuffing season last week. I did not <laughs> know what that was. Juice up your balls like it's the 2019 MLB season. Is cool. <laughs> uh, I, I was lost. So I was trying to keep keep my composure. That was great. So, our question of the week. Which city without an MLB team most deserves to have a team? So this is a very interesting question. And Eric, you're the guest, so we'll start off with you. Which team deserves or which city deserves to have a team playing there? So, yeah, this is a question I've thought about before off and on. Um, I've kind of looked at three cities slash locations. First, first one comes to mind is Montreal. That was a great baseball city. You know, and then when they went to uh, Washington in 04, which I think Washington, D.C. area deserved a team. Absolutely. Um, great okay. baseball fans in that area. But I think nice. Montreal deserves another team in that um, up there. So uh, Montreal will be where I go to first. Um, then outside of that, I kind of look for like, all right, where is there 
you know, a good area that doesn't have a team like too, too close. And the first, uh, I think kind of like the Carolina, maybe like maybe Charlotte could be, I don't know if that's too close to DC, but I think summer's baseball is huge, you know, through the Virginia, Carolina, Georgia area, um, just at the amateur level. So I think that could be an area, maybe the call team in Charlotte. Um, and then another one I thought of summer's kind of like in the middle, you know, in like the Tennessee area, there's not really a team too close there. So maybe like Nashville could be good. Um, there, you know, that's a good ho- hockey town with the, with the, um, predators. Yeah. Um, or maybe like a Louisville summers in that kind of range where there's not nothing too close. And you get up to the, the Cubs and the, you know, White Sox and the Ohio teams. Then you go East to the Baltimore and DC and down to Atlanta. So it's not really a team too, too close in there. So I think that could be a good area as well. Yeah. I, I like that list, uh, being in, uh, I visited Nashville a couple of years ago and you see like the, um, the saber or what are they? The, um, predators, Predator, predators. Thank yeah. you. Uh, the Predators Arena, which is right by all the bars, and then they have the the Titan Stadium like across a bridge, and it's just like a really cool town that would be really nice if they had like a baseball diamond there. Yeah. Um, all right. Well, you guys are just saying my answer, literally reading the notes that I had. Like, <laughs> hey, I, hey, Eric's, Eric's think alike, right, Eric? They yep. do. So there's 12 metropolitan cities that have all four big sports, and. The Nashville area has three. They have the Titans. They have the Predators. And then Memphis Grizzlies aren't too far from that. But at a baseball team, let the Tennessee-Nashville area, let them get a baseball team. Let them be that 13th metropolitan city. Just do it. I think this, your convincing probably will make it happen, Eric. Uh, yeah, that's the strong words. Um, cheesecake, where are you going for this one? I was thinking of cities that I think – have really great fan bases that support the teams that are there. Um, Memphis was one that I thought of actually. I think Memphis really supports their home base, uh, their home teams. Another city that I think gets behind their teams really a lot is Portland and Portland Mm. is my choice. There are huge trailblazers. The Portland Timbers soccer team sells out 20,000 a game. The, um, the women's soccer league team sells out 50, 15 to 20,000 a game. That They're a great fan base up there in Portland. And I think baseball is in line. Uh, I don't think they're a football town, but I think baseball is in line with the soccer and the basketball as far as a, the type of team that the city of Portland would support. Um, as far as like close by, Seattle's pretty close, I think. And San Francisco, I think that's pretty far. Um, I think the biggest baseball desert is like the Northern Midwest, like West of Minneapolis. And there's like, no, I can't think of any major cities that would be that, yeah. that, that would deserve a team up there. That's like, area. Yeah. 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 I, so like, zone. <laughs> I, um, all right. So guys, I want to paint a picture for you. Think bourbon street. Think Mardi Gras. I, I it's funny. I thought of New Orleans a little bit, and I thought Portland too. Those are two other cities that came to my mind too. Can you can you picture the parties in New Orleans for baseball games? Like uh, they could. I mean, I, I just I'm picturing like they they have uh, their jerseys could be like the Saints. It could be like gold, and they they could just like do something really cool with it. Like uh, not like necessarily the Pittsburgh Pirates color scheme, but like. Some kind of gold, or, or like the players have like a some kind of bead thing in their jerseys. I, I don't know. There's something cool, but um, I, I don't know. I, I that was one of the like Nashville and and New Orleans were like the two things that came in my mind for like that would be a really cool baseball city. 
to go yeah. and watch the plays. Honorable mention to Oklahoma City. I've heard the Thunder fans are very loyal for the 10 years they've had a team. Yeah. Good. Nice ad there. And I also throw an ad to somewhere in Maine that they need to have a uh, Portland Maine team. Because there's the Banger Red Claws, right? Red yeah, Claws. Red, Red they have Claw. the, it's the double A team, right? Yeah, Portland Sea Dogs double-A for uh, Boston Red Sox. Yeah, Portland's a great minor league town. It really is. Like We have um, an ECHL team, which is like double-A hockey. You used to have an AHL team for a, a long time. We have the main Red Claws, the G League affiliate for the Boston Red Sox. Then we even had a uh, Division Two arena football league team for season two, which everyone got behind, but funding went down the down the crapper, so they lost that team. But, um, yeah, it's, Portland's a great – I don't think we, we, can, we can't support a – I don't know where we put a stadium. <laughs> Portland, Portland, Maine is about sixty to seventy thousand people. Uh, it's our biggest town by far. Because obviously we're in Maine, and nobody knows we even exist up here. But you know, I don't think I don't even know where we put a, a, an arena that size. <laughs> I, well, I love it, and then obviously it's Red Sox country. So um, yeah, I, I think we're we're good being a minor league town. <laughs> I, I just remember when I visited two years ago and just loving the city. And, and then I went I, I went to a diner, and it was all about the uh, it was the Red Dogs. You said right. Or red, red claws, claws, red claws. I mean, uh, and I just like looked in the paper at the diner, and there it was all about the red claws. And I was like, man, this would be cool, like if it was actually the pro team. Just I just like the, the vibe of the town, so I was like, that oh, was, yeah. was pretty cool. Portland's great. Yeah. It's great. It's a great um, music scene, great food, and a great. It's one of the best top uh, beer cities in the country. It's like second and like um, breweries per capita or something like that. Yeah, that metric. But yeah, Portland's a great town. I love it. I'm, I, I live about 15 minutes up the coast from Portland, so. That's awesome. There's a, there's a main IPA that people drive for hours and hours to get. I can't remember what it's called. It's like people drive to Maine from like Pennsylvania to, to try this one IPA that you get at a brewery in Maine. Oh, shoot. There's so many. <laughs> if, oh. if you're saying names and it might sound like something close, I could probably tell you, but we've so many breweries I, up here. It's like, I can't like, and they're yeah. all pretty good too. So I have all the, I'm, We'll move on after this, but I remember, um, what's the donuts? Um, uh, God, what are, it's the pota- donut? Yeah, I think it's the potato donuts. Holy, is yeah, that the, yeah. That's holy, holy donut. Yeah. Yeah. That's what we had. And then the, uh, I remember those being like the best donuts I ever had. Oh, those, are, those are pretty good. Yeah. Um, all right. Let's move to the last segment of the show before we keep reminiscing or keep talking about one of the best, most underrated States in the country. And let's go to our game of the week. And that is hosted also this week by Little Cheesecake. So, what are we playing? No, it's what? Me. It's oh, Eric. I'm, I'm, I'm sorry. I, I actually have it in my. Of me. I'm sorry. <laughs> sorry. I hope someone else has a game. Sorry, I had in my notes. I did have. I did have Doc in my notes, and I don't know why I just said that. That was a complete mess up on my part. Uh, go ahead, go ahead, Doc. Take good it away. thing. Good thing that this is live, and four people were able to see you mess up. So we played this game before when we had Shelly Verstrade on, and it's going to be 10 current Major League players. And I want you to tell me the age that they made their debut and how old they are now. So if nobody gets the, the correct answer, the correct age, then whoever gets closest is going to get the point. So it's a total of 20 points maximum. So we're going, to start with, we're going to start with David, then Art, and then Eric, and then Rotate. Okay. Mm-hmm. All right. All right. So, David, the first player, remember, you have to give me the age that he debuted and how old he is now. Your first guy is Jose Abreu. Oh, he de- he debuted late. Um, 
I want to say he debuted at 29 and that he's, I feel like he's been in the league four or five years. So I'm going to say um, he's 29 and he's 34 now. Okay. Art? I think 34 sounds right. I think he was like 27. I think he's been around longer than that. And Eric? I'm going to go 26 and 33. So he debuted at 27 and he is 33. So Art and Eric each get a point. Okay. I knew it was 26 or 27. I couldn't remember which one. It was right. And there. just like that, Davidson lasts after one question. <laughs> it's, early. it's early, man. It's early. Woo, love it. All right, 20, Art. 20. You are starting next, and your guy is DJ LeMayu. Oh. DJ was – oh, gosh. He was in the Cubs system for a long time. Oh, somebody knows their Cubs. I when he made his debut, God, did he debut with the Cubs or was he with the Rockies? He was with the I Rockies already. I can't tell you, man. All right, he was twenty four, twenty four, and he's thirty, thirty two now. Okay, and Eric, uh, that's going to be my guess. I think that's right around there. I'll say. I'll say 23 and 31. And David? I was going to say 25 and 31, so I'll just stick with that. Okay, well, he debuted at 22, and he is 32. So another point for Art and Eric each. <laughs> this is and, so stupid. David, really, really behind now. You're <laughs> BPI has you as like a 0.4% chance of winning. <laughs> the Cowboys, did you see the Cowboys last? They had like a 2% chance and they won. So I'll just be like the Cowboys and come back. In the, in the wise words of Kevin Garnett, anything is possible. There All right, you go. Got, yeah. there's, eight, there's eight people left. And Eric, we're starting with you for this one. Right. Edison Volquez. Ooh. Oh, gosh. That was a good one, huh? Jeez. Okay. Um, Does he still play? Yeah. <laughs> I think he's on the Rangers right he's now. He's pitched like five innings this year. He has okay. been good. He has been good in like five years. Um, <laughs> Edison Volquez, I'll say debuted at twenty. God, twenty one, and he's now. I'm probably way off. Twenty. No, no. I mean, he's now thirty. I think I'm uh, glad. Part of me feels like he's older than thirty. I'm gonna say I, I think. I, yeah, I think he is. <laughs> I think he debuted really young, though. I'm going to say he debuted at 22 and that he's 32. Okay, and Art. Gosh, I'm just going to price this right, you guys. 23-33. All right, well, another point for Art and Eric. He debuted at 21, and he's 37. (laughs) I think I said 30. I knew I was a few years no. Oh, my God. I was like, wow, he's 37 years old. About 17. Jeez. Now I feel old. My word. So, all right. So, you know, BPI's chances of David are going down and down. God, this is insane. Okay, I'm, gonna get, David, I'm getting this starting, one. We're starting with you, and it is my guy, Nolan Arenado. All right. Come on. I'm, I, I, I'm, I'm, I don't want to – okay. I, you know what? I don't even care. 
I'm 99% sure that he's the year older than me. So I'm pretty sure he's 29 right now. And I'm going to say he debuted at 23. Okay. Bart? 99% sure he's 29 right now. That's that's really confident. I'm pretty sure he's not 30 yet. I think I'm going to say 28. And when did he debut? Twenty-three. Okay. I was just I was just looking at his player page the other day too. I'm trying to like think of that. I think I want to say I think twenty-nine is right for his age now. And I think he had this year and he had the four good years. I'm trying to like do his stats here. He had the two years and the four good years. So I think he's I'll say twenty-two first debut. Twenty-two, twenty-nine. Well, Eric, you got both right. He debuted at 22. He's 20, 29. David, that's kind of weird that you uh, you knew that he was a year older than I you. I mentally note the ones that are around my age usually. Uh, you like, do. Mike, Mike, Trout, Mike Trout is uh, two months older than me. Bryce Harper is uh, almost a year younger than me. Like I, I know a couple of them. But you're on the board. So through four, Eric's the leader with five. Art has three, and David has one. And Art, we are beginning with you with Masahiro Tanaka. Rich Hill is older than me. Okay. <laughs> Rich Hill is older than a lot of people. Julio <laughs> Franco older than me. So. <laughs> Masahiro Tanaka was 26 when he came over, and he's 35 now. Okay. Eric? I think you're right in the ballpark. I'll say 26 and 36. David. I'll say 26 and 37. He debuted at 25 and he's 31. Oh my God. One? So that's wow. it? I thought he's been around longer than that. Yeah. I thought yeah. he was old. So he, everyone said 26, right? So you guys are all getting a point for that. And then Art, you are getting an additional point because you were closest with being four years off. <laughs> That's, that's like a that's like a pity point. I know. It, is, it is a pity point. All right, hey, a point. A point's a point. Right. And Eric, we are beginning with you, Michael Franco. Michael Franco, a guy that I do not like at all. Um, <laughs> so he, when he came up with the Phillies, he was, I'll say, young, twenty-two. And he is now 27. David? Part of me feels like he's a little older than 27. I'm going to go. I, I do think he was young, if I remember. Um, I'll go 21. And I'll go 28. Okay. And Art? 22 and 26. Wow, David, you're not out of it yet because you got both right. David at 21, and he is currently 28. So David is the only one getting points that round. God, wow. You, you counted me out. Here I am. That, that'd be fine. Right right All right, David, next one is to you, and it's Matt Adams. Whoa. God. Oh, man. Um, I spent a lot of time picking some good players to research. 
Uh, I'm going to say he's, geez, I, I'm going to say he debuted at 25 and he's 32. I, I feel like I wanted to say like 35, but I don't think he's that old. So okay. I'll say I think, oh gosh, like everything about me says this guy was a late, late breakout. Because uh, he was start. I, I think Cardinals were his first breakout. Late breakout because the Cardinals always do that. I think he's, I'm going to say tw- 26. But I feel like he's been around longer than that. No, I'm going to say 27 and 35. So you did like yeah. my 35. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm going to say 26 and 34. All right. Well, David is getting another two points. He <laughs> debuted at 23, and he is currently 32. Jeez. So, wow, David's back in it. So with what, three what's left. The, what's with, the score? With three left, Eric has six. David has six, and Art has five. This is probably as close a game as we've ever had. All right. Anyone's game. All right. Next one. Art, we are beginning with you. Carlos Carrasco. Cookie. I've been way off on all these guys. (laughs) These Uh, are good ones. Yeah. Thank thank you. I think Carrasco – 21, 28. Okay. Eric? 23, 31. The, the two numbers that stuck out to me were 24 and 32. Okay. So he was 22 when he debuted, and he is 33 now. So you guys all get a point because Art and Eric said 21 and 23. So they were one off. And then David was closest to his age. So a point for everyone. All right. All right. Yeah, so I, I do think this is the first time all three of it. It's usually a two-man race between whoever for these games. Yeah. All right, Eric, we are going with you next. And it is Howie Kendrick. Ooh. Good Howie one. Kendrick. He came up at, I'm going to say, 22 and he is now 36. David? There, I, I'm pretty sure. I think he's 37. And Eric, you're definitely, I, I think, I remember he came up really, I mean, he's been in the league forever. Uh, I'll say 21 and 37. Okay. And Art? Thirty-seven sounds right to me. So I'm just going to say twenty-three to differentiate. Twenty-three, thirty-seven. All right. Well, you guys are all getting a point because he debuted at twenty-two, like Eric got, and he is thirty-seven now. I almost said thirty-seven. It was between thirty-six and thirty-seven in my mind. So in our final one, going into it, Eric has eight, David has eight, Art has seven, and David, we're starting with you. Oh my God! No pressure. And the guy is Brad Hand. Oh God, this this is a total toss. End with, with a reliever. Oh, Brad that is, Hand. that is brutal. Oh my God. Um, 
this is the first one I really don't think I have an idea on. Oh yeah. Uh, Love to hear that. I'm going to say he debuted at 26. And if I remember, I think he was in the Marlins organization first. Um, say 26 and I'll say he's, Oh my God. I feel like I'm blowing this 26 and that he's in he's 32. Okay. Art. All right. I think he's 30. And I'm going to say, 24. Okay. And Eric. I'm going to go 24, 32. All right. Well, Art is getting the point because he's 30. And he debuted at 21. So Art and Eric are each getting a point for that. So, David, you are eliminated. Art and Eric, (laughs) you guys are tied with nine. So I I have a couple as tiebreakers, um, I'm going to just give you the, the player, and I want you to tell me how old he is now. And so we're going to start with Art, then Eric. And uh, if you are guys, we, going, we, we have to get it, or just close whoever's closer. Who's ever closer, and you can use the same you can use the same age if you feel really confident. Don't feel like you have to use another age. Okay, right. let's do it. So Art, we're going with you, and it's Gene Segura. 28. Okay. Eric. For all the marbles. 30. He is 30. Oh, oh my God. Oh my God. That's a walk off. A walk off victory. That's a walk off. Wow. Oh yeah. Runner starting on second. Art put that base runner in position and Eric hit him home for the game winning RBI. Love 10 that. seconds of face time, my man. And then I, and then we'll, we'll sign out, but you get your face time. <laughs> That was a fun game. Uh, I want to. I want to play that again. Let's do, let's do ten more questions. Uh, that was really fun. Um, but yeah, thanks for having me on, guys. This, this was a blast. Uh, this was an absolute blast. Yeah, man, we really appreciate you coming on, man. Um, been a big fan of yours for a while. Um, and for those that are listening, I, I'm sure you guys already are following Eric. But if you're not, he's Aircross04 on Twitter. Does a lot of great stuff over at Fantrax. You got to read all the stuff he puts out there. If you're, especially if you're really trying to become a better fantasy baseball player just learn more about the game you got to read all the stuff he puts out it's, it's really great um but thank you so much again for coming on man uh, thanks for having me let's do it let's do it again sometime for sure all right well if you like what you hear so far how about you make you ne- how about keeping it start that over <laughs>